0: zoom Zoom. so please turn me up now because I think people have texted and said this sounds kind of low so if you guys again would turn up you guys' volumes on your laptops at home that would be great Um, I do want to mention one thing so um, I noticed you know we still are I think there's around 10 people or so maybe a few more than that on zoom and then I know we have about uh, 20 people each week that are are watching on YouTube live so I want to just mention that what we're doing because um, I think Omicron uh, with coronavirus and just Um, even you know it in some ways affecting Matt and just kind of him being on uh, worship on zoom that we are actually going to extend offering worship on zoom just for people that have wanted to remain safe and it's something I talked to the board about so we're gonna be doing that I don't know how much longer but again for those you guys that are on zoom you guys can continue to do that just use the same zoom link and that for those you guys that are on YouTube live If you guys have transitioned to YouTube Live and specifically have done that um, just in preparation of us moving away from Zoom, hey, come back to Zoom. We'd love you guys to kind of fellowship unless it ends up that YouTube Live just is the most convenient for you. And obviously, we want to see more people here in person at the church, so we want to encourage you uh, to come out and join us here. Let me open up, uh, open us up in prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just magnify and glorify your name. Lord, and as we continue, Lord, um, talking about, Lord, the new beginning, the new things that you're doing, Lord, and today specifically looking at your plans, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, that you would guide us in all things. You would guide our thoughts, our decisions, um, how we view things, Lord. And I pray too, Lord, that we would be obedient. We'd be obedient to your word, we'd be obedient to your leading, Holy Spirit, because ultimately, Without our obedience to you, Lord, um, we're just getting in the way of your plans, Lord. We're not actually letting them happen. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us to be obedient to your will and your plans. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to me and through me as we um, discuss your word and your plans for us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, again, good morning in this morning. uh, Kind of an interesting morning here at the church. Just a lot of different things going on. And one thing you guys can be praying about is I kind of jokingly talk about it. But, you know, we are under spiritual attack. I have mentioned that. And so this morning we come to church and uh, one of our board members, met, you know, mentions that, hey, our, our church building's been tagged. And I'm like, tagged like a permit violation or something? And then i like literally tagged. And so someone kind of spray painted on the wall. And so we were looking at that. And I'm like, is that a gang tag or is that some kind of voodoo curse, some kind of spiritual thing? And sure enough, I would believe it's a spiritual thing because there was also uh, some little rock, little thing, little idol thing that someone put up there. So we went up there, we prayed over it because we don't want to be fearful of those things. And if anything, it should be encouragement that God is working, that the Holy Spirit is moving here and Satan and all his minions and people that follow him, they're going to try to thwart that. And so that was how our morning started here and sometimes when things like that happen, it can get you thinking like, wow, is, is that part of God's plan? What is God doing? Why would he allow that to happen? And so this week, I want to talk about a verse that is probably one of the most popular verses. If you are on Twitter or Facebook, you know, you've probably seen this verse posted with some flowers or a beautiful tropical scene. And you've probably seen keychains with this verse as well. And people talk about this all the time. And that's Jeremiah 2911. And in the NIV, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to pro- uh, prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And so I want to talk about that because though it is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, the most uh, one of the most heavily Uh, cited and recited memorized verses. It's also one of the most misused and misinterpreted verses in the Bible. And I'm not sure if the Holy Spirit's going to have me preaching a series on um, verses that are very popular and and misinterpreted and misused. I may be doing that because I think it is important that we understand that we rightly divide the Word of God. And so we're going to be talking about this verse because it comes up every single day, especially with the things that are going on in the world people use this verse, and they start wondering, what is God doing? What are his plans? Why does he allow these things to happen? And so I want to look at the context and talk about, can we apply Jeremiah 29 11 to our lives today? And so a little bit of background on the verse. In chapter 29, Jeremiah, he's um, written a letter to encourage the Jews that have been exiled in Babylon, because as we know, the Jewish community, the Israelites, they've been through so much. They were in captivity in Egypt and now they've been defeated and they're now in Babylon, they've been exiled. And so they're struggling. They're struggling with basically in many ways being enslaved to a foreign country. And they're like, what about God's promises? What about prophetic messages that we've heard before? And then on top of that, the captives, the exiles... There's false prophets that are prophesying that, you know what? In a couple of years, you're going back home. You're going to the promised land. And so there's all these things going through the exiles' heads. And so Jeremiah, he's wanting to encourage them through this. He wants to encourage them to let go of this thought of going back home in a couple of years. I know that sounds great, but that's not what God's saying. That's what these people are saying, but that's not God. So let go of that pipe dream. You're not going home in a couple of years. In fact, you're not going home for 70 years. So imagine how tough it is for this prophet of God to give that message to these people that are struggling. And then he also tells them that, you know, even though you are going to be here for 70 years, realize that those who have stayed back in Judah, those that weren't exiled, those that stayed back they're going to have it far worse than you That was part of the encouragement and you may be thinking wow that doesn't sound very encouraging but it is because when you're going through a lot of tough stuff when breakthrough is taking a long long time you need encouragement but that encouragement isn't this quick fix that encouragement is understanding God has a plan and he has a purpose and so that's what we're going to talk about today because the problem is when people look at Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven, and they think it's all about being blessed in that moment or that things will be really easy for you, then things like the pandemic happen and people's faith is challenged and they walk away because they misinterpreted what God's plans are about. And so we want to be a church that understands it rightly divides the word of God that his promises don't promise happiness his promises aren't about everything working out the way we want sometimes his plans are things that through our human eyes and our human understanding we would never want that's why we have to just trust god and his plans and purposes for us so let's talk about that not reality and so the first thing i want to talk about is that god does indeed have plans for his people and those plans that he has They revolve around His purpose. So God has plans that revolve around His purpose. Colossians 1.16 For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him, and for him right so everything was created for god for his purposes for his will for his plans so what does this involve what does being created for god what does that mean well one we're created for good works ephesians 2 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. How awesome is that? Is that before we were born, God already knew the plans that he had for us, things that he wants us to walk out in, things that he wants us to accomplish, things that he wants us to do. So what are good works, right? There's just this little trail that we're taking here. So what are good works? Well, one, praise. Pastor Emily talked about that throughout last year when she was preaching, is that one of the things that we were built for, one of the reasons God created us, is to praise him. Isaiah 43, 21, the people, uh, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God created us, He made us, and He made us to praise Him, to worship Him, to thank Him. God also created us for evangelism, for spreading the gospel message. So if you've never understood or never heard that word evangelize or evangelism, it means going out and sharing the gospel message. It's making disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's another reason we were created. We're created to share the gospel message, salvation through Jesus Christ, but also what He teaches us. Basically, we're to go out there and teach people to be obedient to God and God's Word. But they have to believe in Him first in order to be obedient. But that's all part of the Great Commission. And the final thing I put down here was that we were created to love. Matthew 22, 36-39. through 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind i stress the y'all because we've talked about that for the last several weeks oh god wants all of us he doesn't want part of us he wants all of us our entirety our whole being this is the great and foremost commandment that's number one is love god and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself And last year I preached a sermon on love and talked about all the different nuances of that. And I think that's something else we have to understand is what does it mean to love others? Is it supporting them? Is it encouraging them? Yes. But is it also confronting them? Is it also challenging them? Yes. Because God's word says that God chastises those he loves. So love, there's a lot to it. And just like we talked about last week, there's churches that are doing all these churchy things, all these Christian things, but they've forgotten to love God. They've forgotten to be obedient. So you have to understand Scripture in its entirety, not just the parts that sound good, the parts that look good. And so we need to love. Some other things that we have to understand about God's plan that He has for us, God's plans are perfect. Psalm 18, 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He, he shields all who take refuge in Him. How awesome is that? That God's way is what He knows, everything He does, everything He says in the Bible, His word is flawless and perfect. And He shields all those who take refuge. If you live in obedience according to God's word, he will watch out for you. It doesn't mean attacks don't come. I just mentioned this morning, we had an attack. Whoever wanted to attack the building, they did this morning. But God has us. He is watching out for us. It's also so important to understand that God's plans are not the same as our plans. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the lord god does things all the time but they don't always look i would say most of the time they don't look the way we want them to look and that's because god doesn't think and god doesn't act the same way we do because he knows everything he can be everywhere he is all powerful So his plans are not the same as ours and god's plans they supersede ours they are more important Than anything that we have planned. Proverbs 16, 9. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's true of men and women. We can have all these ideas of the ways we want to do things. We could have all these incredible, big, bold plans, but ultimately it's God who's going to direct our steps. Of course, we have to submit to Him because if we don't submit to God, it'll be we, it'll be us that directs our own steps and we don't want that because our plans are all flawed. It's God's plans, as Scripture tells us, that are perfect. I love what Job 42 verses 1 through 2 says. This is a reality that Job, after going, this is near the very end, after going through all of the stuff that Job went through, a righteous man who God allowed Satan to mess with. This is some of his last thoughts after all that he went through. He says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no plan is impossible for you. That's because God's plans supersede ours. He can do anything and everything that he wants to. And isn't that incredible that the God of the universe, the God that is perfect, the God whose plans are perfect, He has a plan for everyone. He had a plan for His people. He has plans for us as well. This is important to understand that reality that God's plans supersede ours, that they are more important. And what He wants is more important than what we want. And the reason this is so important is it means that we need to develop need to develop hearts and minds that can submit to God's will and God's plan. See, that's that's the kicker. Is that we have to believe in his plan. We have to submit to them. We have to acknowledge them. We have to develop again hearts and minds that can submit to God's will and his plan. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart with all your heart. Not Trusting in the Lord partially. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's the other important part, and to not lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out a situation based on how you want to figure it out. If something doesn't go the way you want it to go, doesn't mean it's not part of God's plan. It doesn't mean that it won't work out the way God wants. It just means it won't work out the way you want. It's your understanding, and that's our problem. We try to understand stuff through our experiences, through our knowledge, and that's faulty thinking it's flawed thinking we need to not lean on our own understanding don't think that you know better than god don't think that your experiences mean you're better qualified than god because you're not verse six in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight so basically that verse is telling us understand that god knows better than you so trust him trust him And don't try to figure things out on your own. And acknowledge Him. Let Him know, Lord Jesus, Father God, You are everything. I do not know what's best for me, but You do. And when you truly have a heart that acknowledges that, God can make your paths straight. He'll help you to figure things out. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight. Yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him also, and He will do it. The delight part's really important. The Hebrew word for delight means to make soft, pliable, to spend in enjoyment. What this means is like clay, right? That's being shaped. Shape your life. Or enjoy life all about God. Make your life all about God. Make the joy you experience all about God. Because when you're moldable and you're molded where God is everything to you, that's when He can do incredible things. He will give you the desires of your heart. And what that means, many people mean you know, think that means, oh, so if I want this car, if I make my life about God, I'll get this car. No, no, no. It means He'll give you the desires. He'll tell you what to desire so if you're not desiring what god wants maybe it's because you're not pliable you're not forming yourself into the likeness of god you're not forming yourself to be all about god and even when you do that the next step is you have to commit your way to the lord you have to commit your plans to him the way you want to do things commit them to the lord trust him and he will do it both of those verses Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and then Psalm 37, 4, and 5. They're sermons, and maybe down the road we'll preach them. They are sermons amongst themselves that we could preach on. But just like Jeremiah 29, 11, we can't just pick the pieces we want. We have to look at things in their entirety. So getting back to Jeremiah 29, 11, it tells us that God's plans involve prospering and not harming. Many people love that part of Jeremiah 29.11, that he wants to prosper us and not harm us. We're going to have a little bit of an extended Hebrew lesson today. So the Hebrew word for prosper in Jeremiah 29.11, it means completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. That's what prospering means. It has nothing to do with wealth or power or faith. It doesn't have anything to do with material stuff. About welfare, soundness, completeness. In its original context, it also was referring to a people, not a person. That's why, though God has plans for us, we can't just say this verse proves that. I don't know, because this verse was written to a people. But there are ways we can apply it to our lives. But again, it was written to the Israelites who were exiled in Babylon. So ultimately, God is saying, I will care for the well being of my people. Those who believe and trust in me according to what I know is best for them. My plans and my purpose. It starts to kind of change how you look at Jeremiah 29 11, 29, 11 a little bit. That you might think, wow, it doesn't seem as, as beautiful anymore. And I hope by the time this sermon's done, you feel it actually is even more beautiful than you ever thought. But right now where I've left you, you might be thinking, wow, yeah, Jeremiah 29.11 doesn't sound as great as a keychain." But you know what? It gets better. So let's continue. The one thing, or not, there's many things, but an aspect of this that we have to remember is that free will and sin are real. So, free will, the choice to choose that God has given us, if we want to, we can actually reject God and sin, they're real. That's why God's plans, His purposes, do not mean that life will be easy, that life will be free from challenges, because sin is real, right? Our lusts, our temptations, they're real. So, on that note, now let's talk about harm. Because as we finish up Jeremiah 2911, 11, it says, part of God's plan is not to harm us. Again, going back to Hebrew, that Hebrew root for harm means evil, distress, or misery. However, as I just said, because we have free will, that incredible gift from God, and because sin exists, it means if we choose to, we can not only reject God if we want to, It means we can succumb to our temptations and fleshly desires. And I know Randy preached a sermon on temptation several months ago. Temptation isn't just lustful things you look at or you give into. Temptation could be getting angry, getting jealous. There's a lot of other heart conditions that you know temptation falls into, and that's how we fall into sin because we give into our emotions. So people's choices they can lead to harm for themselves and others. It's not that God right, is wishing that upon us. No, a lot of the harm that comes our way is because there is sin in the world, and they're because of choices we make. That's not the only reason, but it's important to understand that. So this begs the question, if harm is not part of God's plan for his people, Why does God allow pain and suffering? And we talked about this last year, but I think it's a good reminder, especially as we continue to go through the pandemic. When you see people suffering, when you see people whose lives are tough, it's a struggle, it's a grind. And keep in mind that anything you can imagine is a struggle or a grind. There is someone in the world who would love to switch places with you. And that should be really humbling. That there are people in this world that would love to be in a position you're And there's people who are, in worldly terms, doing way better than any of us. We would love to be in their shoes, right? And hopefully that keeps us kind of humble as we go through this life. But here is kind of a recap. Here are some of the reasons that God allows pain and suffering in your life. Because if you don't ask yourself this question... I guarantee you, in your life as a Christian, people will say, if God exists, if God is a God of love, why does he allow these bad things to happen? Why is he allowing the pandemic to happen? Well, let's talk about that. Let's go through some of the reasons, pain and suffering, that, why he allows those things, harm, to happen. Well, one, sometimes it's a consequence of sin. Right? We, we have to kind of pay the piper, so to speak. When you sin, there is a consequence, even though the eternal consequence, if you believe in Jesus, is taken away, right, that you're not going to hell, you get to experience eternity in heaven, so thank you Jesus for that, so because of that, his sacrifice for us, if we truly believe in him with our head and our hearts, that consequence is gone, but the worldly consequences of our sins, they're still there. If I rob a bank, I'm going to jail. If I hurt someone, I'm going to jail. Like, if there's a lot of things, you know, that I can do, and there's consequences to those uh, behaviors. So sometimes God allowing suffering and harm is the consequence to sin. Sometimes God's trying to get our attention to help us recognize our sin. I talked about revival last week. Part of revival is the Holy Spirit working inside of you where you realize, wow, you know what? I am a sinful person. I am struggling. Sometimes God allows harm in our life or harm in the world to get our attention. And I hope with the pandemic, people are opening their eyes. Do we really need to work on our faith? And as I've mentioned, sadly, churches everywhere, they're seeing people leave. What does that tell you? People's faith, Is challenged. Maybe they never really believed. Maybe it was a very superficial faith that they had. But God is trying to get our attention. He's saying, wake up. Wake up. Harm, God allowing suffering, sometimes He allows it because it strengthens our faith. We see this in Romans. We see this in James. I count it pure joy when you go through suffering challenges of all kinds. When you really look at that verse, it's saying that it helps to perfect, to strengthen your faith. So sometimes God allows us challenges to strengthen our faith. Harm, challenges, struggles, it also draws us back to God and helps us to rely on God instead of relying on ourselves and the world. There are so many people that when a situation comes up, the first thing they do is they're like, how can I fix this? Or we should get some other people to help us solve this problem. Well, that's great, but the first thing we should do is pray. That's what we did this morning. Yes, we had to cover the wall with paint. We had to remove the stuff that was left behind as well. And that all happened, but we prayed first. I think there were six of us that were praying. We've got to give it to God first. And then we can look to our own abilities and the abilities of others after that. But God allows harm sometimes. He allows pain, and suffering, so we'll connect to Him. So we'll rely on Him. It helps us identify with Christ. Because Christ suffered more than anyone has ever or ever will suffer. As I mentioned earlier, we also have free will and we're vulnerable to sin. So sometimes it's the evil in the world that is causing the harm and those sins happen. And we've talked about this. We also have a real enemy. Satan is real. And he hates us. He wants to destroy us. And evil? Evil also exists in the world. But praise God that God can take those situations, those situations where God wants to destroy us, those things that God, or that, excuse me, that Satan meant for evil, And He can turn it around for good. He can redeem those things. Praise God that that's how Jesus is. Now the final reason why God allows pain and suffering, and I mentioned this earlier, I tried to drive it home, and that is the reality that God's ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. This last one is so important because if what we believe you and I truly believe that God is who He says He is, who the Bible says He is, that He wrote, that is what He didn't write, He inspired through the Holy Spirit. His word, though, His word. If we truly believe that, we truly believe that God is sovereign, that means that God has control of everything. If we believe He is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, that means all powerful, all knowing, and He can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time, we need to also believe. And understand that what we perceive as harm through our human eyes and our human understanding may not be what God views as harm. Wrap your mind around that. Something that we think is harmful and terrible, maybe God sees it a little different. Maybe God sees it as that incredible opportunity to redeem someone's life. So He's looking at it a little bit differently. God sees the big picture, He knows everything. He knows how things will end up. He knows the choices you and I will make. He knew the ones we made 10 years ago. He knows the ones we're going to make 10 years from now. So it is imperative, it is essential that as Christians we believe, believe, and understand God's ways are not our ways. And the way He thinks is not the way we think. Jeremiah, he ends this verse, and there's so much. This is an entire sermon on one verse. So he ends by talking about God's plans involving giving us hope and a future. The Hebrew word for hope, again, another Hebrew lesson. The Hebrew word for hope, and we talked about this last year, means to trust in, wait for, or desire something with expectation of the future. A beneficial future. That's what hope is. It's trusting, believing, and expecting for something in the future. Something beneficial. So the hope in God's plans for his people is closely connected to the future. Not necessarily for the right now, this second. And ultimately, God's plans involving hope in the future, they're about a who and a what. The who is Jesus. And the what, it's his death on the cross. Jesus died for our sins, and this allows us to experience eternal life in heaven with God. So how does this apply to us today? I mean, this is great. I've totally shifted, hopefully, your thinking of what Jeremiah 29.11 means, because chances are the uh, sticker that you put on your laptop, the keychain you have, the beautiful picture with Jeremiah 29, 11 that you posted on Facebook probably means something a little different to you now after hearing this. But it does apply to us today. It applies to us in our earthly lives. It's a reminder and an encouragement. It reminds us that God is in control. He has a plan, and He knows what's happening all over the world, even if we don't see it. God knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows everything that is going on with the people that live in the indigo across the street. He knows everything going on in everybody's life that lives in every country, everywhere. God knows, even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it. It also reminds us that no matter how bad a situation is or how long we've been suffering, because I think sometimes, Even more than a bad situation, it's how long has that bad situation been going on? When we trust in God, and we lean on Him, we can persevere. Again, when we trust in God, when we lean on Him, we can persevere. Two reminders, two encouragements of ways that we can apply Jeremiah 29.11 to our lives today. A reminder and encouragement. God's in control. Well, trust Him. He can help us to persevere through anything. And I had this other note I put on there. God can also do the miraculous. It doesn't mean He's going to, but He can. We just have to keep our hope in Him alive. That's one of the things we have to do. We have a role to play in the plans, and part of it is, not losing hope, because God can do the miraculous. We also need to trust, believe, and obey. Trust, believe, and obey. We need to quit fighting God, trying to control things and trying to understand through our human understanding. And that's hard to do, because we always want to process everything in our experience or what's happened in the past or these different things. That's not the godly way of doing things. That's not the godly way of living. We have to trust God. We have to renew our minds, right? We talk about renewal of the mind daily. We have to be more conformed to the likeness of Christ. We have to think the way God thinks. We need to quit looking to the world for all the answers and solutions. I'm sorry, folks, but there's no politician. There's no... Anything, there's no anything. There's no fix-it cure to everything. That's not the cure to the world's problems is Jesus. It's not a person, it's not a thing, it's not an item you buy, it's none of that stuff. We gotta quit looking to the world to solve all of our problems. Yes, God can work through the world. He does that every single day, but we gotta quit relying on the world to solve our problems because it will let you down. It will let you down every day. But God won't. You need to realize, regardless of if God changes a situation or not, from our perspective, He is worthy of our praise. And we have to understand that God is doing so many things behind the scenes. We just don't see it, we don't recognize it. But He's doing it for our good. I want to end by reading Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 19. The reason I want to do this is that I want to show you how it's so easy to take things out of context. But when you look at the entirety or almost entirety of this passage, you see that what I talked about today is exactly what Jeremiah was telling the Israelites. He was telling the Jews that were in, in captivity in Babylon because he was saying, you're going through so much. You're captives. And many of us today, we feel like captives. We feel like captives to the coronavirus. We feel like captives to negativity. We feel like captives that we're stuck in our house. We feel like captives too. Nothing in comparison to what the Israelites were going through, but we feel like captives. And many people are losing hope because they just don't see when any of this is going to end. And then what they do, they hear on the news, Wow, it's all going to end tomorrow. It'll be great. And, and people start thinking that, and then they get discouraged when, no, it's another five months. We have to go. And we don't know. And there's a rise in this and a lowering of that and whatever. So exactly the concepts, the ideas that Jeremiah was speaking to the Israelites, those in Babylon, they apply to us today. It's those same concepts. So let me read this. If you want to grab your Bibles, Jeremiah 29, verses 4-19. through 19. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. They had to do some stuff. They had to be obedient. Even in the place they didn't want to be, even though they didn't want to be there for 70 more years. But they had to be obedient because what prospers the place they're at will prosper them too. Verse 8 Yes this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have They are prophesying lies to you in the name in my name I have not sent them declares the Lord This is what the Lord says When 70 years are completed for Babylon I will come to you and fulfill My good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I love this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will, you, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you. You may say the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, but this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in this city, your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send the sword, famine, plague, or, and plague against them, and I will make them like figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine, and plague, and will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth, a curse and an object of horror and scorn and reproach among all the nations where I drive them. For they have not listened to my, to my words, declares the Lord, Words I sent them again and again by my servants of prophets, and you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. Now my point was not to end on such a sad note of what was happening to those who remained back. It's that God has a plan, and if you will be obedient and listen to him, you'll experience that prosperity. Not prosperity of wealth, it's well-being. That he will have an opportunity to truly care for you, but we have to be obedient We have to basically thrive where God has planted us. We can't always look for where the grass is greener. Commit to God. Submit to His plans. Trust Him. Try your hardest not to understand everything through your own wisdom, through your own experience. That's the plans that God has for us. And they are truly amazing. We don't know what all God has planned for us but we have to trust Him, and we have to hope, we have to expect for incredible things from Him. Lord Jesus, we love You. Lord, I love Your Word. Lord, I love how Your Word speaks so much truth to us if we will take the time to listen. Lord, I pray that today, the reality of Jeremiah 29 11 would sink into our hearts, Lord Jesus, that You do have plans for Your people. Lord, they are not plans to harm us, Lord. And ultimately, Lord Jesus, we know that we have future hope, Lord, because when we believe in you, Lord, we have eternity in heaven. And that is the greatest reward, the greatest gift of all time, the greatest plan and purpose. But Lord, while we're here on earth, we pray for the plans that you have for us here, Lord. Plans for us to go out and share the gospel message, to love on others, to let people know how incredible you are. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us in the time that we are in, just like Jeremiah encouraged, Lord, the Israelites with truth. I pray that no matter how long we have to wait, no matter what is going on around us, Lord, that we will always have our hope in you. Lord, thank you that you have a plan, you have a design for us, Lord. You don't just leave us hanging in this world to figure it all out. I pray that you would help us to have minds and hearts, Lord, that seek you always. Lord, have your way in our lives and have your way in this church, Lord, for your plans and purposes. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Well, we have, uh, we're a little bit late, but we have quite a few uh, announcements today so actually i'm going to probably just read them off here so um as far as thank you guys for uh, doing the online voting i want to thank um heidi and satomi and Chie and asa who helped uh, kind of put the thing together get it emailed out and got the numbers counted and all that so both of our english topics and we'll talk about our joint ministry topics here at two o'clock but for our english ministry topics the board was approved and the budget was approved as well so your board members and we'll we'll repeat this um because i know uh people have just said yeah we need to repeat it so i'll repeat the board members so it's randy orda darren straker uh pastor emily marky Shibashi, ria bright and greg takawa um so that is your 2022 board um and before we close i'm going to add a prayer for them as we're also praying for our giving But um, yeah, you know what? You guys are blessed to have some great leaders, and I'm excited to partner with them um, in a year that's different. You know, let's be honest; we're going to be in our third year of different. So um, let's uh, continue praying for them and their leadership. Um, we have our mixed groups today at 11 o'clock on Zoom, and again, especially for those of you that have been on YouTube, I encourage you: if you are not part of community group, please join our mixed group. It's a way for us to just get together. To see each other especially for those that are not here in person it's a way for us to remain uh, remain connected to one another our annual joint society meeting is today at two o'clock so as far as zoom links the group the mixed groups just use your regular worship group like you did today for service and then last night you should have gotten a zoom link in um, the regular email you get that says 2022 joint society meeting So that is the only separate link that we'll be using today and then uh, Scott if you will go to the next slide Uh, next week we have men's discipleship at 9am and then we have first Saturday prayer at 11am. As we're just kind of sorting out a few of our email kind of systems use the same worship link so right now we're going to be doing a lot with the same worship link, so the link you use for service. For a little while use that pretty much for everything except the joint society meeting so hopefully that made sense to you guys also i'm excited next weekend we have our children's ministry um and we have a new team we have like i think it's five people just kind of meeting and i'm kind of discerning i i think i might ask someone else to kind of join and partner in uh, with us on that we have communion next sunday as well and then i think pastor emily is asking people on zoom and i will ask people here or also uh, people on YouTube Live, we are looking for some online um, servants. We are looking for someone, or actually some people, to help basically host, host the Zoom room. This way, Pastor Emily can make her way back here into the sanctuary, but we can still offer Zoom online for services. So all it entails is basically getting on there probably five minutes before service, letting people in, and just being friendly. You know, that's really all it takes. So if you're interested, if you can do those things, especially for those of you that are on Zoom today, if a couple of you guys would commit to doing that, that would be an incredible way for you guys to serve. Um, Even if you are online at home, you can still serve the house of God as well. So let me now pray for our offering and also pray for our board members. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, um, Lord, not only you allowing us, but you enabling us to do ministry, Lord Jesus um lord sometimes it's hard to understand your plans and purposes lord but as we have seen year after year you're faithful lord jesus and regarding our tithes and offerings lord jesus um again lord you came through in a mighty way lord pushing us beyond lord what we budgeted last year and so we thank you for that lord for looking out for us for lord um multiplying the fish and the bread so to speak lord I pray for those, Lord, um, that are giving, Lord Jesus. I pray for those that maybe haven't taken that step out in trusting you with their tithes and offerings and how you will continue to sustain them, Lord, and that you can bless the church through their giving. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, Lord. Help us with decisions we make and how we use um, our tithes and offerings here, Lord, um, as we look at another year of doing ministry differently, Lord, and truly just, how the face of the church everywhere, Lord, your church is changing. Help us to find unique and incredible ways to use your tithes and offerings to serve the kingdom. Lord, and for the 2022 board, Lord, I pray for each and every one of them. Lord, I pray that, number one, they would be submitted to you, Lord Jesus. They would seek you more and more each and every day. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be growing in them and through them. I pray, Lord, that together, Lord, we can partner, Lord, to... um, Help lead this church, Lord, where you would have us to go, Lord. Um, Lord, you're doing something new, and that's not always easy, Lord. Um, when we look at it through our human eyes, Lord, sometimes it can be challenging, discouraging, Lord. But when we look through your eyes, there is opportunity, Lord Jesus. There is um, incredible opportunities to serve your people and to reach out to them. Lord, I pray for our leaders. Strengthen them, Lord. I know many of them, Lord. Um, They're under attack. We are all under attack, Lord. So I just pray for your hedge of protection and your guardian angels around us. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. All right, guys, thank you. If you guys want to fellowship for a bit before mixed groups, then go ahead and head to the small sanctuary and we will see you guys in there. For you guys online, God bless. We'll see you soon.